Welcome to the Abundant Yoga Teacher Podcast. My name's Amy McDonald. I'm a yoga teacher, yoga student, and a yoga business coach. And I'm here to support you to share your yoga with the people in your community who really need it. So if you're an amazing yoga teacher, but you sometimes struggle with the business part of what it is that you do, you're in the right place. I hope you thoroughly enjoy everything I've got in store for you. And if you have any suggestions, questions, or ideas for future podcasts, reach out to me on Instagram at Amy Yoga Biz Coach. Hey there, happy Monday. Welcome to the show. Lovely to have you listening. A special hello. Hello, Lisa, to the new Patreon supporters. Thanks for, um, yeah, backing this work and also getting yourself some extra goodies. Tonight we'll be talking about Holy Smoke, the movie with Kate Winslet and Harvey Keitel. And I know that Terry... uh, well, actually, there's been some good conversations in the Patreon feed about this, and I know Terry was um, is keen to talk, and I am keen to listen, Terry. I can't wait to hear um, what you think because let's just say that movie is a lot. I loved it. It's been a long time since I've been around that many men in budgie smugglers. If you don't know what that is, uh, hello, Urban Dictionary, or join tonight. Actually, get yourself signed up for Patreon. You can just get the free trial and come and have a laugh with us tonight. Uh, for a book and film club. Before I get into today's interview, and it's a good one, it's a it's a it's a spicy meatball, which is my favourite type of episode. Uh, in this interview with Helen Johnson, one of my private clients, I want to just give you the heads up a little bit more in detail about my November flash sale. So if you've been listening for any period of time, you'll know that every November I offer a 25% off my private coaching, whether you pay in full or choose the payment plan. So that's an eight month yoga business coaching package with me is always 25% off in November. And that is now open for registrations. If you would like to hire me as your coach and work with me privately for eight months, Um, you have obviously all of the coaching sessions, you have a welcome intensive 90 minute coaching intensive, and then you have me on call via email and Instagram DMs for the duration of that time. If having that much support from me feels like what you need in your business, then probably getting it at 25% off is a good idea. And you can go and check out everything about the coaching package at amymcdonald.com.au forward slash coaching. If you're interested but not quite ready to start yet, you can uh, buy that package now while it's on sale and start in early February at the very latest. So I tend to not work much in January. I'm doing teaching my retreat and doing family time. But once I get home from being overseas, we can get stuck into it. Or of course, we can start as soon as you sign up. Uh, it's absolutely up to you. There are five places I've made. I've got a couple of clients who've just finished up, a couple who are about to finish up, so I can fit five people into my coaching practice um, to get a sense of availability. Uh, and um, if you have worked with me in the past and you would like to sign up again, uh, just DM me and I'll send you the discount codes to reduce the price. Let me know if you want the pay in full or the payment plan because there's different codes for that. If we haven't worked together before, i.e. you haven't been in Keep Growing or you haven't been a private client, um, I would really prefer it if we talked first before you signed up. I want to make sure that... Um, what you want from coaching is something that I can help you with. I want to make sure that we're a good fit for each other, um, that just some expectation management. And uh, to be frank, um, I don't want people hiring me who then halfway through go, you know what, I'm not really into it, or I don't really like what you're doing. Um, I want it to be a really solid, good fit from the get-go. I want to be as excited about your goals as you are. And I also want to make sure that, you know, uh, that they're realistic and, and achievable and working together. So again, the link for signing up for a session to talk with me is also in the episode notes. Please don't not sign up for one of those calls because you think I'm going to do the hard sell on you. Um, I know that that 
shit is rife in coaching land and it's gross. Uh, I, I know how to do it. I spent a lot of money learning how to do it. Um, <laughs> uh, insert vomit emoji. Um, but that's not what, what we'll do. We'll have a great conversation about your business, about your goals. Um, that'll go for a good 20 minutes because I'm genuinely interested in what you all do. Um, then I'll say, then I'll probably just run you through the nuts and bolts of what the coaching package includes and who it's good for and what I expect and enjoy with my clients. Um, that'll be about 10 minutes and then there'll be some time for any other questions you might have about suitability or pricing or payments or anything like that. And then probably at the end, um, this is what normally happens. You'll probably still be undecided. And I'll say, well, you know, let me know if you have any other questions. And if you want to do another one of these calls, we'll do another one because it's really important that if you're going to spend that money, you feel good about it, scared, nervous, but ultimately good. So that's what those calls look like. So don't not book one because you're worried I'm going to try and do the hustle because yuck, I don't want to, I'm not interested in coercing anybody out of their cash. One, because, you know, ethics, but also too, because I genuinely want to help people. And, um, if we're not a good fit for each other, if I don't have the skills that you need in a coach or the speciality that you're looking for, uh, I don't want to suck. <laughs> My ulterior motive is getting good testimonials at the end. So Amy McDonald, yoga business coach, November flash sale is now and if we haven't worked together before, you need to book yourself in for a call. I am not going to try and hustle you on that cause. Gross. All of the links, all of the info, except the codes, because you need to ask me for them because gatekeeping are in the episode notes. Right. That's a lot. Book yourself in. Let's talk. And if you're one of my OGs, just hit, you know, tell me, I'll send you the codes because it's time to re-up. Okay. So let's talk about today. And as I said, um, Helen, Johnson, who is my guest uh, for today on the show, uh, is one of my private clients. And this interview was supposed to come out next week. But over the weekend, I got a message from Helen saying that she has just sold out a workshop. Um, and so I wanted to drop it now because I wanted to put it into the public record that I'm so chuffed for her. I don't think she'll mind me saying we were having a session. She, Helen, was it only last? No, it must have been two weeks ago. And we were talking about she's had her term enrollments and she's had, she's got a short course running and that's enrolled. And so we're talking about, you know, potentially November, December looking like smaller finance or October, November looking like smaller finance months because there's nothing really to sell. And so she said, well, I could put on this workshop and I could co-teach it with a friend and maybe people would be interested. And so she threw together a sales page. Um, found a date with her friend that her friend was available. Um, I think 18, right? Helen, she wanted to have in on this thing, put a nice price point on it. Thank you very much. I insisted she not cater for people and I'm checking in with you, lovely, to make sure there is no like curry buffet coming in this workshop <laughs> so that she got to keep more of the money for herself. And then yesterday, as I was driving home from hiking, I had a great message saying it's fully booked. So Yay. Congratulations to Helen for fully booking out here. I'm looking for a little bit of an easy, fun cash injection workshop. And now let me tell you the formal part of <laughs> Helen's bio before. This is going to be a long episode. Here we go. Helen is a yoga teacher, yoga studio owner, mother of two and a registered nurse. After spending most of her professional career as a clinical nurse educator, she is passionate about designing and delivering meaningful yoga programs that are based on experiential and scientific evidence. Helen creates specialized programs to support people through pregnancy, birth and the early years of being a parent, drawing on her experience as a health professional and a mom. Helen lives in a country regional center. She has a beautiful yoga studio in her backyard. Um, we're having this fantastic conversation where, okay, I'm, I'm not going to lie, just a content warning. We get a little spicy, not with each other, but just at, well, yoga bullshit during this interview. I love it. Uh, it might be a bit too snarky for you. So, you know, I, I know, um, maybe some storytelling next time to sweeten it up from me. I mean, uh, but Helen and I just talk about how do you know if what you're saying is legit? How do you be careful about not spreading misinformation or disinformation simply through not knowing? And if you decide to know more, particularly we're talking in this episode about medical claims, where the hell do you get started when it can all seem 
very overwhelming. And if like me and unlike Helen, you're not a registered nurse, how do you even start to discern what's legit info on the internet and what's bullshit? So I hope you enjoy this episode, a long one, but a good one. And uh, yeah, I can't wait to talk to you about your business and working together in 2024. Get yourself 25% off Gross Heaven Shine on sale all November. Helen, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for coming along as a guest. Thank you so much for having me on here. I'm looking forward to this chat. I love it when my clients book in for podcast episodes. <laughs> it's, it's it's just like, oh, I know that person. This is going to be fun. Yeah, good. <laughs> um, do you want to just, uh, obviously people have heard your bio, but I'd love to hear it from you. Just give us a quick overview of when I say, tell me about your yoga business. Like, how does it kind of feel? What does it look like for people who don't know you yet? Mm, sure. So um, I am a yoga teacher and a studio owner on Miradjuri land in a little town called Young in New South Wales. Um, we built our own studio here a couple of years ago. Um, I had prior to that been teaching out of my lounge room, which wasn't quite big enough. And mm. I've got noisy children. So <laughs> built our studio here, which is um, fantastic. So I specialize in yoga for pregnancy and birth, um, postnatal yoga, Hatha yoga and I run workshops and retreats um yeah and that's that's my business and it's awesome it works in really well with my life and I get to do something that I'm really passionate about mm. well um, I'm excited to have this conversation with you and um obviously we've had a bit of a chat prior but I know that having had conversations with you over time uh, particularly in the Patreon book and film club that you and I have some uh, sort of similar uh, ideas and maybe sensitivities when it comes to essentially uh, bullshit in yoga land and uh, and I guess because of your um, career as a nurse and in and in the provision of, of healthcare I suppose the part of the the the, the yoga bullshit distaste that we share is when it comes to misinformation, unsubstantiatable claims, and some of the um, just, I think at times, you know, unsafe things that um, mm. we can we can find ourselves promoting sometimes without even knowing any better. And, and folks, before um, well, I hit the recorder, I was just reading off some of the banana stuff in light on yoga uh, that Mr. Iyengar who never finished high school says that yoga can cure including um a leaky urine and um which seems like a strange <laughs> phrase because urine unless you freeze it is always going to be a liquid I would imagine um so I guess it's the part of your body that it leaks from uh epilepsy disfigurement all sorts of things um but Helen you wanted to come on to talk about this topic in particular tell me why uh, yeah, so I, in my non-yoga um, world, am a registered nurse. I've been a registered nurse for 16 years and for 10 of those years I was a clinical nurse educator, um, got a couple of master's degrees under my belt and so the yoga that I offer and the messages that I try to get out are very conscious of what can and can't be substantiated and what is and isn't in my scope of practice. Mm. Um, and unfortunately, um, I think within our industry, that is rare. And I think part of it is because of the training that people go through to become yoga teachers. I think part of it is that we really don't have um, the support and the backing to really understand the bodies that we're teaching. And there's a lot of repetition of information that we don't go and check or we don't sit with and see if it feels right within ourselves and so that's one of the frustrating things is that yoga can do so many good things but there's a lot of things that it can't do and I think when we just make claims for the for the sake of marketing or to um, pat out our content when we're doing it with people in classes that's where mm. we can get into a bit of trouble. Mm. And, and I think that you know I often think about um, the teacher who taught the anatomy component of my first 200 hours, I went back and studied again with her. So I did that however many, 20 or whatever hours twice. And a large part of the anatomy that I got taught then was uh, we learned how to make castor oil packs to reduce your inflammation. We learned how to give women great 
um, how to help women ejaculate and have great orgasms. That was a part of our yoga anatomy training. Uh, we also learn all about the connection of the chakras to the different organs. Uh, and then we went on and got the philosophy training from another guy who said, that's all bullshit. Uh, there's nothing mm -hmm. about in yoga about this organ is governed by this chakra but I don't know like I've been practicing yoga for years but this is the first time I was sitting with people who knew a hell of a lot more than me and I just kind of ate it I didn't know that it was <clears throat> a pack of bullshit and 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 I often wonder people would say well how am I supposed to know everything about everything I've done maybe I've done 500 or a thousand hours of yoga teacher training and I still don't know anything like how, how do I, where do we even begin to know is what I've been taught or what I've been saying or what I'm reading or the people that I follow on the internet? Like, how do I know what's legit or not or what, what I can back up or not? Mm, that's a really good question. And look, the cynical part of me is tempted to say, just assume it's all bullshit <laughs> until proven otherwise. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, this is where I think initial training has a lot to answer for. Um, yeah. We are teaching a modality that most people come to for physical reasons. Like a lot of people come to yoga for injury relief, you know, relief of aches and pains, um, help with anxiety and depression symptoms. And we're not actually trained in, in any of that in a lot of people's basic training. I'm lucky I had mm. physiotherapists, registered nurses, movement therapists as my anatomy and physiology teachers. Mm. Um, but I think we need to be proactive in actually going out and seeking that information. And, yeah, if something doesn't sound right, then it probably isn't. <laughs> um, yeah, but certainly just, just have a really good level of, of discernment of looking at information initially when it comes into your field to, to think, mm, does this sound true or not? And then the next thing is obviously knowing where to get that, that information to find I out. I think I think this is key because um, if you look, you, we don't have to look. You just have to open a social media app, and there are very mm -hmm. charismatic, very successful, um, you know, hundreds of thousands of followers, people that will will tell tell you things um, in a very engaging, seemingly highly informed way. Mm -hmm. And I think just the nature of of being a human and looking at some giving your power to someone else as an authority, it's very difficult to to know well where did you where did you learn that and is have you got any evidence to to back it up so i'm wondering if you could talk to us a little bit more about the idea of evidence because like i'm imagining most of the people who are listening to this they might not also be mums but they're very well maybe but in other ways they no doubt have a gazillion other things they could be doing with their time and they might just want to teach a class that's on such and such. And so, you know, I can't go read a, 10 academic papers. And even if I could, I wouldn't understand them necessarily anyway. So if we do, if we all do want to be better and make sure that the information or the yoga that we're sharing is safe and professional and legitimate and not, not quacky, that we're not, that we're not continuing to perpetuate misinformation, where do we go for that evidence? Yeah, so, I mean, there's a couple of things there and I'll get to where to go for it, but I just want to speak to, um, you know, that that repetition. If you, if you don't have time to check it or you feel like you don't mm. have the ability to interpret things, don't say it. Like my mum taught me, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all, and I think it applies to, to information. If it is out of your scope, if it's something that you couldn't actually go and look at yourself and understand, then don't give that information out. And this is what I find really interesting is a lot of the information I hear and see repeated in yoga land is health and medically based. And as a health professional, there's stuff there that I wouldn't say because yeah. I can't substantiate it. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think if it's something that, that you can't understand yourself or that you can't understand the information around it, then the safer thing is to just not say it. Um, but sorry, just on that, I think maybe also just the something that comes to mind for me and you sharing that is I think maybe for a lot of yoga teachers, they genuinely want to really help. And yes. they're also, and for some of us, sometimes we're not 
okay with discomfort. And mm. when you have a student who says to you, hey, I've got this thing, what do you think I should do about it? For some people, it's very difficult to say, well, that's probably something to talk to about your with your doctor or I don't know how to, I don't know how carpal tunnel works or how to alleviate it, or I don't know what the best solution is. You know, I think maybe yeah. sometimes people fill in the gaps with, with stuff that's probably not good because they're not sure how to say, I don't know. Or, yeah, cool. And so what, yeah, I mean, what I do, um, a lot of stuff that I don't know and a lot of stuff that's out of my scope is that I've got a list of people that I refer to yeah, on hand. Great. So whether you have a physical list or something in your head, because then you still feel like you're helping you fulfill that need for yourself, but mm. you're not stepping outside your scope and giving mm. information that, that you're really not qualified to give. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a perspective of, look, that's beyond the scope of what I can offer, or I really don't know enough about that to help you. But here's someone that you could speak to or here's someone that I can refer you to. And if you don't have that, if you don't have someone to refer to, get your student's email address or however you communicate with them and say, let me find out who the best person would be for you to speak to and I can send you that information. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, yeah that's that's that recognition of, yeah. And and just be aware that we're working with people who are potentially quite vulnerable. Yeah. Um, there's not a lot of people that, come to yoga feeling awesome who want to feel more awesome. A lot of people come to yoga because they are trying to correct some form of what they see as an imbalance in their life. Mm. And so they're more likely to be open to information mm. um, that that confirms that this is going to be the thing for them. Yep. And so I, I think that's ethically um, something to really be conscious of is that if we're saying, yes, yes, yeah, you know, yoga is really good for X, Y, Z without it actually being backed up, that might be the thing that prevents them from seeking the other support that they need that will really help them. I love that point. And, I think, vulnerability. And, and that it can be compounded by the fact that, I mean, I've had students say, my doctor has been telling me to go to yoga for years. So straight away mm -hmm. they're coming into my class thinking whatever I'm about to give them is essentially endorsed <laughs> by their doctor. Yes. So, you know, it's, it's, there's layers to it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Um, yes. So where, where can we go to get that information? Yeah. Um, luckily it's so much easier than it used to be. So just keep in mind too, that not everything that we teach in yoga can be studied and quantified. Yeah. We yeah. teach a lot of things that are beyond, that are beyond the umbrella of Western scientific thought. Um, <laughs> And that's fine and that's awesome and that's where the experiential side of yoga comes from. Yep. But in our messaging, in our marketing and our content, we need to be very clear that what we are teaching from an energetic or a philosophical perspective is not the same as what we are teaching from an anatomy and physiology perspective. So that sure. might look like... Um, I'm teaching observation of swara in my half a term at the moment. Mm. Um, so I am not saying to people that, you know, there's evidence that if you block off this nostril, you're going to decrease your heart rate and decrease your respiratory rate and feel awesome all of the time and yada, yada. It is that this is what yoga teaches from an energetic perspective. This is something for you to observe. Um, so just, you know, there's, there's lots of stuff that can't be measured and can't be studied. And as long as we're clear that how we frame it for people, then, then that can be good. Mm, um, like but as far as what can be measured and can be studied, um, databases, there's a lot of stuff now that's available, um, through open access, which means that it is free for people to read, um, or you can, you know, purchase articles for, and 24 or 48 hour period to read yep. through it. Yep. Um, your library is real. Like if you want to get old school, go to your library. They've got access to databases where you can look things up, but even something as simple as Google Scholar, Google Scholar, mm -hmm. you can use as a, as a search engine. So really most of the search engines now you can put in your keywords that you're sort of thinking about what you want to look at and go from there. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And I books, think that books are good. Well, books as long are as good. they're not too old. <laughs> well, or too new. I mean, yes. we, we've had this in the Patreon book club, right? Like it's really well recognized 
teachers will just say something that's like, dang, that's that's bullshit. Like you can't. <laughs> ah. Yeah. So and I mean, yeah. It, it comes back to where you were at before with this this idea of discernment, and maybe. And I think this is a conversation again that we've had in book club, the importance of reading widely so that you can be more discerning because you've taken things from different places and heard different voices on us on the same topic so that you're not just taking everything on its face. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I mean, one of the things when you're looking, if if you are looking at a research article is to look at the, um, it, it's in links now because everything's online, obviously, but you can look at the um, critiques mm. where those people's peers have reviewed the paper um, and what they've actually said about it pre or post publication. Mm. So that gives you those, those other kind of perspectives um, as well. And for people who are thinking, oh, that's, uh, you know, the idea of reading an academic paper or going on Google Scholar is too much for me. And I think it just, but it just comes back to that same thing of that's okay. Just don't yeah. teach that stuff. Absolutely. Yep. So if you've gone to a workshop and they, you know, the person who you highly respect um, the information that they're giving has, has said something and it's something that you want to use, then I would strongly encourage you to go and get something to back it up or to refute it. Um, otherwise just just keep it to yourself maybe it will influence your practice yeah. um but but yeah we don't need to repeat everything that we've heard unchecked yeah. I've certainly never run that workshop I've got a client who probably has but I've never run that workshop thanks Ellen Heed interesting info but I don't need to teach that to my clients in the middle mm. of so while you're in now you're in Setu Bundo if you just did this this and that you're gonna mm-hmm. have a better time next time you're having funky times with your person. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so that's where we can go and look at stuff and we can evaluate it by looking at the critiques of the information itself, by reading Mm -hmm. widely, um, by trying things before we teach things. What about, I guess it's also, and this is something I know of you, um, just the, the commitment to ongoing professional development because things do change and we do learn more I mean you know information and schools of thought are always changing what was very in vogue a few years ago is now debunked so there's probably something also about just continuing to not in a way that's going to not in that qualifying yourself confident way but just from a a genuinely curious perspective of this is an area of yoga that intrigues me and I want to become more proficient and skillful in its transmission Mm -hmm. yeah yeah, absolutely. And there's some really good um, people who've got training as medical doctors, as physiotherapists, as registered nurses who offer um, standalone online anatomy and physiology training. So that, um, and, and there's a, a few in particular that come to mind who specifically work on sort of what is evidence based information, um, what myths surround yoga that we can actually unpack and look at and find where the truth lies within that. So yeah. absolutely there's, yeah, there's always space for, for ongoing development in that area. And then just, I guess, on that to be mindful about um, even people's uh, credentials and what they claim about their skill set might also need a little bit of interrogation, particularly if you're looking to spend a, a shed load of money like the, you know, Joe Dispenza. <laughs> md or whatever the hell doctor pa whatever <laughs> are you though actually not yeah. you know yeah. all of that all of that yeah absolutely so um so okay so we've talked about where we can get um this sort of information i'm curious about you alluded to earlier about um uh, this is my phrase, not yours, but I guess if we if we were only being hyper clinical about what we were teaching and making sure that all of our data was very rigorously informed and peer reviewed and all the rest of it, some of the mysticism would, well, most, all of the mysticism from yoga would be lost. And mm-hmm. what you were alluding to before with talking about your students and what you're teaching them is that you can still have both, that you can still uh, explore and enjoy some of those more esoteric teachings, but it's more about how you teach them and the claims that you make when you're teaching them that that's important. Can you say more about that? Yeah, so, um, okay, let's, 
let's get into the myths that irritate me. Yes, yes. I'm going to leave this for a bit, but this is a really good example. So we are coming out of virus season in the Southern Hemisphere, thank goodness. Mm -hmm. But at the start of virus seasons, heading into autumn every year, there is so much noise about yoga boosting the immune system. Yep. Um, Which I hope that your listeners know is bullshit. And if they didn't before, they do now. Um, I think there will be people who who are driving in their car, listening to this right now saying, no, it's not. I've been teaching that for years and people always have a good time. (laughs) Sorry, anyone that I've just offended. Um, You know, if you think about the immune system from a physiological perspective, it's fine-tuned to protect us. Mm -hmm. And one of the ways that it does that is through therapeutic use of inflammation. Mm-hmm. So if you are boosting your immune system, what you are doing is making it overactive. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that has been studied very well that we now know that there is a link is between inflammation, mm. chronic stress, and the effects that that has on the body. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, number one, we want to we want to steer away from overactivity of the immune system. Mm-hmm. What yoga does do for the immune system is that it can support its functioning because our immune system functions when we're in a parasympathetic state, when we're not stressed, when we're not having to constantly protect ourselves. And we know that yoga can help us move to that state, can help people rest and restore. So that's where it comes in as a supportive function of the immune system, not Mm -hmm. a boosting function of the immune system. Love it. So it's that kind of... You know, we're not taking out the the benefits of yoga because we know that it has a lot of benefits, but we're looking at, okay, what what can we substantiate in this? Because that is something that's related to the physical body. It's something that we can substantiate with modern Western scientific evidence. Mm-hmm. Um, and if there is evidence for it, how can we make sure that that information that we're giving is accurate and correct? Mm-hmm. Um, and often it's just a tweaking of language or a tweaking of the way that that we understand it. Um, does that make sense? Yeah. 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 Can we talk <laughs> while we're while we're in this um, sidebar? Can yes. we talk about can we talk about yoga and detoxification? <laughs> oh, can we? <laughs> I mean, I only did it. I don't know three years of science at uni so I don't know much about detoxing but I'm pretty sure that if I do like a twist it's not going to make a radical difference to yeah and look this is where um a lot of this comes from uh original or I don't know if it's original but older anatomy textbooks on yoga so like the one that you were speaking about prior so, to us going live <laughs> folks we're talking about light on yoga which was the first ever <laughs> and the best at the time and arguably still as long as you cut off the back section uh, book of all of the yoga poses, how to get into them, what they're good for and who shouldn't do them. But Mr. Ayanga, in case I forget to mention it, who finished, finished, didn't finish high school, uh, teamed up with a doctor for a while who took him all over the place doing freak show stuff. Look at this young man, can bend over backwards and lie on a bed of nails. And, um, and so he has all of this crazy stuff. I wonder if he's got anything on. I don't think they said that. Maybe, no, they didn't say detoxing in the 19, 1965 or whenever it was. But yeah, it's from these, it's from this stuff. I got told for years studying with, from my teacher in Melbourne, oh, before I trained as a teacher, teacher, you know, twists are good for detoxifying. Yeah, totally. And, you know, to always teach, um, oh. to twist, twist the right side first and then twist the left side because it's following yes. the movement of things through the large intestine. Um, and look, I think as as far as I'm aware, that's where a lot of the information comes from because it's not something that has been studied and, and can be proven. But again, this is where you can bring in, okay, so what, what does the unstudyable part of yoga, how does that feed into it? And I think with detoxification and digestion and twists, you can differentiate it from the perspective of, okay, from, a, from an energetic perspective, we are working with our fire element um, and, and, you know, you can weave that kind of part into your yoga, but there's no evidence that the fire element or that twists um, actually affect 
the physiological part of digestion or of detoxification. Again, detoxification is your liver and your kidneys and your bowel and a whole bunch of organs Skin. that people don't even know exist in their body. Yeah, that that again is is really finely tuned to work in a specific way. Um, and there's no evidence that these that these particular movements through doing twists is going to support that. The other thing to keep in mind is if you are promoting that as something that supports or, you know, enhances digestion or enhances detoxification, what does that do for the huge number of people who are in your class who have things like mm. irritable bowel syndrome and, mm. and you know, overactive digestive mm. systems yeah, yeah, that we yeah. don't want to irritate? Yeah. Um, and, you know, if if there was something in it, then we'd probably have people running out of our classes a lot more quickly to go and, you know, take care of these body systems that have just been stimulated by this amazing class of twist that we've just taught. So, you know, sorry, I'm just going to try and not be too sarcastic. But um, Are you kidding? It's why you're here. You know, the other thing that makes me think of too, I taught at a festival recently and, you know, there's um, uh, fat people in that class. I've had a twist on the schedule in my, no way, you can't do that with that body. I'm not going to teach that quick scan. That would be an, I'd be an asshole move to instruct that one. Cause I know there's five people in this room who are out, can't do it. Okay. So quickly change, do it this way instead. But let's just say for whatever reason, whatever your body looks like, the twist or the detoxification pose, you can't do it because your body doesn't, it doesn't work for your body. Mm-hmm. And I think there's something really delicate and and in there and and that we need to be sensitive to because for worse not better um we have a we have conflated uh being healthy with being virtuous and if there's some kind of detox pose and that's what you're claiming and someone can't do it because of whatever reason maybe their tummy gets in the way maybe they've got a spinal thing whatever they can't do it then somehow there's this thing about so therefore I'm not as good because good people are you know, clean eaters and they're detoxifiers and they don't have all this dirty muck in there. You know, it, it, it gets really messy when you make these sorts of claims that are not only have immediate health implications, but also, and again, this is what I, one of the things that I hate about the wellness industry, that, that we think that they're somehow virtuous as well. It's like, it's, 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 it's spicy territory. Oh, totally. And I mean, in my mind, um, detoxification comes, you know, if you're looking at it from a digestive perspective, mm. comes into the realm of nutritionists and dietitians yes. and, and people who are, who are trained in yes. understanding how the whole body system works as a whole to process nutrients and, you know, eliminate wastes. Um, not someone who's taught how to teach twists. Yeah, and maybe, I'm not maybe how to make teachers I am, but yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And it's not it's none of my business what you eat, and it's sure as shit none of mm-hmm. my business to judge you on what you eat. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Did you know, by the way, that um, headstand? Speaking of um, ailments, shashasana mm-hmm. is good for dysentery. So what? if you did, if you were having, oh I've never had dysentery, but I would imagine that if you you could describe it perhaps in one way as just like too much rapid detoxing. So if you found, if you over twisted your students and then all of a sudden things were getting ugly, you could just get them all into headstand. And I think that's solved. the last position I'd want to be in. <laughs> we could mop everything up while people were upside down. Whoa. Stop it from coming out. But I mean, you know, no joke. There's a, the misinformation around inversions is probably one oh, of the God, can biggest we? ones that, yeah, the, the um, oxygenation of the brain. Yeah. Um, Takes the pressure off your organs. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. yeah again, but not just... when you've got your period, ladies, because your uterus will get <laughs> fucked up if you turn it upside down. <laughs> menstrual blood will somehow enter the rest of your system and make you toxic. Yeah, and you'll um, get into your soma and you'll be, it's all over Red Rover. Yep, yep. Man, trichotasana is good for your ankles. I can, I can track with that, I guess, maybe. Yeah, okay. Maybe. But, yes, it's 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 understanding that these these body systems are very finely tuned to function in a specific way, um, to regulate themselves in a specific way. And there are some that we absolutely can manipulate. They're a spiritual system for one. Mm. Um, but, but you know, 
things like standing on your head, you've got a really um, strictly controlled system that affects blood flow depending on what position you put yourself into and mm. oxygenation depending on all the other things that are going on. Um, so, yeah, again, and it's something that comes up all the time in, in teacher training and in workshops and on social media and, and all those kind of places. So I can understand that it's easy to want to give people these benefits. But um, actually, it's funny, I did an inversions workshop last year and oh, earlier this year. I can't even remember what you were up to earlier yeah, this yeah. year. And one of the girls that came said, oh, I'm really interested to learn about all the benefits of these. And I said, well, I'm not going to tell you any benefits. I want you to experience all of this for yourself and, and see what it is you get out of it. Because the majority of benefits, in inverted commas, of inversions can't be substantiated. So, You know what I think, the, having watched my students and my own experience over the years, the benefit the biggest benefit of an inversion is a feeling of accomplishment yep. and and it's a it's a it's a self-esteem thing. It's that wow, I am a person who can do that thing. I feel good about myself. Which yeah, probably has an like endocrine. endocrine. Yes, and it would yes. have some trickle down hormonal benefit, but you're not sure. saying do this pose <laughs> to have this thing. It's yeah. And then let me take your blood and I'll measure your hormone levels and we yes. can actually make oh, this a verifiable God. claim. Yeah. You know, I went to a workshop years ago and um, we spent a lot, we did, did the same sequence again and again and again from different points of view of the body. And there was a whole sequence. It was like Surya Namaskar with some other bits where we had to do the practice from the pituitary gland. Now, <laughs> now I am a bit of a rough and ready kind of person. I've got to eat uh -huh. a of paracetamol to notice the difference. All of those good things. Don't get sick, whatever, from the country. So maybe it was more difficult for me to experience Surya Namaskar from my pituitary gland, but I have no effing idea <laughs> what that whole thing, like, I don't even know, because it was quite, I think it's all about the vagus nerve now. I think we've moved on. The 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 yeah. kink, the body part kink is currently the vagus nerve and no longer the pituitary yes. gland. But we seem to go in these fads of the bit of the little obscure part of the body that's now very, very fashionable and lucrative. <laughs> yeah, and you're right, the vagus nerve is huge at the moment. But luckily that's something that does have, that has been quite well studied mm. and particularly recently and there's some really beautiful overlaps with yoga practices. And this is mm. the other thing, like you might have an old yoga, I've got a few old yoga textbooks that say all kind of shit about, oh, sorry, all kinds of things. About, you listen to my show? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> about the benefits um, that it has and you can now link it into what we know yeah. about something like yeah. the vagus nerve and be like, oh, actually, yeah. this is legitimate. Okay, they they wrote this a long time ago with none of this knowledge coming in, but this is this is how that's actually linked. So, you know, not not everything is a lie, not everything is misinformation. No. No. Um, you know, some of it we just don't know yet. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so that's that's really cool seeing that side of things come in. So I'm all about the vagus nerve. They can keep studying that. That's okay, okay. Cool. I can do Surya Namaskar <laughs> from the perspective of my vagus nerve. Okay, got it. I'll give that a whirl next time. But the other thing too, and you talked about this in your latest um, Patreon episode. Nice segue, uh, Helen. Get yourselves on board, folks. You can get a yeah. free trial. Listen to that one. Go on. The last one's really, really good. Talks a lot about confirmation bias and, and you know, um, critiquing things. Because mm. that's the other thing to bring into it is if you've got a student mm. who is there for a particular reason, they are going to attach that yeah. information to an outcome mm. as opposed to, let, so uh, if you're in the habit of perhaps starting a class and saying, this is what we're going to do and this is this is the benefit that you're going to get from it. Um oh, yeah. My invitation would be to sort of start to change that language of this is what we're going to do. Leave it at that. Don't tell anyone what they're going to feel, what they're going to experience, you know, unless you bring in this, the safety component of sure. if you start to feel short of breath doing this pranayama. Yeah, this if you stuff, get dizzy. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that leaves it open for people to have their own experience of it. And perhaps if they want to know more about why they had that experience, and that is something that you've got substantiated information about. That's the space for that discussion. But setting people up for um, we're going to do this and we're going to do all these twists and you're going to go home and have a really good evacuation of your house. I don't know. Um, 
<laughs> you know, try try to leave out that expect, expectation, which which can totally lead to confirmation bias. So that's yep. that thing about um, okay, now we're going to do suit depart and gustasana, and you will be releasing the trauma in your psoas, like mm, yeah, you know yeah. that sort of you know it's okay. Now I know how I'm meant. Mm-hmm. On a deep level, when we get the message, now I know how I'm meant to perform. Absolutely. How, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yep. And not, yep. not in a superficial manipulation. It's just how we function. It's just, okay, yeah. the teacher's told me this is what I'm to expect. I'm now expecting it and I'm, mm, looking, for, I'm looking for it more than I might have known to or would have known to at all if you hadn't have said it in the first place. I really like that. And it also mm. makes me just... You know, the way that you describe it, it, it leaves the res- the experiential responsibility with the student, which outside yep. of safety concerns is where it should be. Yeah, absolutely. We all have completely different bodies and minds and energy systems and, and everything. So, of course, we're not all going to. And, you know, if, if you're seeking that experience that the teacher's told you you're going to have and you don't have it, yeah, God. how do you then feel about your practice? Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah. Like I have yeah. that every time in happy baby. Now you'll experience this will feel so nice and stretchy and I just want to punch someone because I hate that. Oh, one. yeah. Don't, not nice for postnatal women. Or just like fucked hip. Brings in a lot of anxiety about, um, you know, things that might be opened up beyond what they should be. <laughs> or things that will never open up and I'm not talking about, I'm talking about my hips, everybody. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you for asking about my sexual health. I'm fine. <laughs> but I did have someone tell me a little while ago that they'd done a they'd done some, some shamanic healing on me while I uh, while I was you know and in another state doing something else. And apparently, I did um, need to go and get some things checked out because they'd discovered it in their shamanic healing, and I had um, mm-hmm. yeah, potentially it was endome- endometriosis. Hold on, yeah. Uh, there's, we're not even in the same room and I'm getting yeah. a medical diagnosis. I think this stuff is like, it's real. Like this yeah. shit goes on all the time in yoga land. It does. It does. Yeah. All right then. So I've got to know how, like, cause while we're, you and I are having fun and this is hopefully some people are getting some laughs out of it and potentially some people are being triggered up the yin yang. Um, when it comes down to it, we don't want to be ass hats and we do. We're, let's just come from the, generous kind of attitude that everybody is trying to do the best that they can at any given Mm. time with the information and the experience that they have to hand so when we are presented with information that we know to not be true how do we handle it in a way that's you know how do we handle it with grace without just kind of letting it letting it go when we hear it from someone else yeah look that's so tricky isn't it because uh I've been a long-term vegan and I've offended a lot of people with my behaviour and I've really learnt to tone it down over the decades. But, um, I mean, part of it is really, you know, leading by example. If And, and part of this comes to if you are giving that um, information, make sure that you reference things, that you've got a source that people can go and look at for themselves. That's empowering for them. And if you've heard information, then asking asking for a source kindly is a completely rational thing to do that's a really that, good point that's not a spicy move no and if someone if if you ask it and someone experiences it as a spicy move then that's a red flag probably a red flag yeah 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 I like yep. that yeah so, so something I think that could just be that was I was really interested in what you said about the pituitary gland I'm wondering is there anywhere I could go and get some more information yeah I absolutely. want to know more about that is a generous way of of yeah, nice. I like yeah, that. yep. Um, and then, you know, if if we know things to be different, then come at it from an empowerment perspective, just like you do with your students, of perhaps offering an alternative way of understanding that information, or providing the sources yourself if you've got some resources that hey, this is this is actually you know the latest information on X Y Z, however you want to phrase it. Um, that it can just be a point of, you know, someone hasn't had the time or the the ability to go and find that information themselves and once they come across it then that might be what they need to inspire them to um, to change the information that they're giving. But I guess you're still, there's still an implied level of diplomacy, like it's not in the middle of a, in the middle of the workshop, 
you know, yeah. well, I've heard that, well, my teacher, when everyone's in the headstand and you're saying, well, I've heard that this doesn't help, I don't know, with your varicose veins or whatever, <laughs> whatever yes. the hell you might have just been told. <laughs> Timing is everything. Yep. <laughs> yep. I've heard on that sort of managing disinformation and misinformation that when it comes to recognizing this stuff on social media, oftentimes it's better to not comment on the piece of content itself because it just gives it a bump, but rather to make mm. your own new piece of content, not, not, you know, trolling the other person, but just putting out correct information as a way to kind of combat some of the misinformation that's online. What do you think about yeah. that as a technique? Again, I guess you're talking about making sure that it's still within your scope. Yeah, I mean, I'm very much a don't read the comments kind of person. <laughs> Man, you can get stuck down some very cranky rabbit holes. Um, so, you know, I personally don't have an issue with messaging someone directly, but oh, yeah, not as nice. a link from a post because yes, I don't understand algorithm algorithms, but I imagine that that would potentially, you know, boost yep. it up a bit. Um, yep. So just messaging them them individually. And I guess if you're creating um, creating information to address that, uh, just keep in mind: Are you speaking to the same people? Um, is that audience going to actually get those two sides of the story? Because um, there's a lot of energy that you can expel on trying to correct misinformation that might be better spent elsewhere if it's People not going to hear you yeah 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 I think that's that's true and yeah. and ultimately what we're all here for is to teach yoga classes and yeah. that it's to be your inroads to changing the world rather than trying to combat some Wim Hof zealot about yeah, yeah. Fountain yep. enemas. Thanks, Lou, if you're listening. I love the fountain <laughs> enema story. Very good. Man, I, that's the other thing we got taught by my anatomy teaching was giving yourself a coffee enema. Oh, man. I just, yeah, there's there's a lot of things that make me very uncomfortable as a, as a health professional as to what yoga teachers, um, well, teach each other, but then go on to teach students. It's, um, and I'm not saying that Western medical science is everything. There's a lot of gaps that it does not fill and a lot of things that it does not address well. So that I think there's space for everything, but, you know, it's just stay in your lane. Staying in scope of practice. Staying in scope of practice. Remember what you're insured for and do that bit. Yes, if you want to go teach it how to do whatever with your friends later, that, that's a whole other thing. Fine. Mm, yep. Yep. Yeah. The other thing with evidence too, um, you know, if if you are using evidence and you're referencing a particular, like maybe you have found a, a study that is particularly useful, Um actually understanding the components of that study that apply to your people. So, mm. so things to look at are, um, you know, how old is the study? If it was mm. written in 1970-something and it hasn't been studied since, it's probably not going to be particularly useful. Mm. Um, who did it study? Like this mm. is, um, there's a mm. particular brand of yoga nidra that has a lot of evidence that looks like it's backing it. Um, particularly around people with PTSD. But if you actually go and look at the studies that they did, it's with war veterans. So if you can't actually extrapolate the study group to your target audience or to your um, ideal student or to your group that you're teaching, then you can't really use it to say, hey, you know, come yeah. along to, to my yoga nidra class. Um, it's been proven to be really good for PTSD, but if that hasn't been studied in a population that reflects your population, there's lots of really good evidence for yoga for um, people with cancer. But it helps with some really general things for them, but you can't pull that out to say yoga helps with um, blood pressure regulation or yoga helps with symptoms of depression if it's been studied in a group that doesn't reflect your group. Yeah. I like that. That makes sense. So, yeah, really, if you, if you are looking at it, think about who it's actually been studied and do they reflect reflect your audience. This is where it's really useful if you niche. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's there's tons of evidence out there about yoga and pregnancy, so that's useful for me. <laughs> also that thing about um, who, like who who 
conducted the study too because you could very easily find yourself in all sorts of stats and graphs and stuff that if you don't know what you're looking at looks really legitimate Uh, like the tm people are classic with all of the studies that came out of transcendental meditation all of them were tm practitioners you know people learning to fly from you Mm -hmm. know honing their cities and all sorts of whacked out shit so it's so it's the who that who was studied and also who did the studying yeah, absolutely. And this is where databases yeah. um, are useful because if you, you can actually define that you want to look for something that's been peer reviewed. Yeah. So that means that there's other people, other researchers in that, field, uh, in that field who have looked at the research and said it's legitimate or here are the issues with it. Um, but it's not just sort of, yeah, coming, coming out of someone who's got a vested interest <laughs> in it. Um, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's been so interesting, Helen. I'm conscious of time. And I know I say that every time I do an interview, because I always <laughs> chat forever. Um, is there anything we haven't touched on that you want to cover? I think just, it, just something that may help people if they are looking, looking for evidence, um, a good place to start is the Cochrane database. It does systematic reviews of the gold standard of research studies Hmm. so if you have something that you want to look at that can be a really good place to start Hmm. um understanding then whether that group reflects your group is the intervention something that you're offering through yoga there can be some really specific programs that have been done and if you're not replicating that again you really shouldn't be making the claims of hey you know yoga for pregnancy has been shown to do xyz but what you know, as you and I and everyone else knows, there's a million types, a million ways to teach yoga. So yeah. if you're not replicating that, just be mindful about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, do you, I just, just had a notification on my phone that your ad's been approved. So that's good. Right. <laughs> good. No bad language in there. See, hey. no claims I couldn't substantiate. <laughs> Are you stressed and tired all the time? Yeah, that ad doesn't. Thanks, Facebook. Facebook helping to keep us honest in our advertising only. (laughs) Helen, where do people find you? They want to know more. They want to pick your brain. They want to know what you're doing. Where do we find you? They want to tell me that I've ruined (laughs) a marketing campaign. Sorry. (laughs) Um, So, I mean, my website, nurtureyogameditation.com has got everything on there, lots of information um, about what I offer, um, mostly social media-wise. I'm on Instagram, so my handle there is nurture.yoga.meditation. Um, and I'm over on Facebook too. And uh, now offering casual classes. So if you are passing through young. <laughs> yeah. Yes, come visit us. It's nearly cherry season. Actually, cherry season's early this year. We are the cherry capital of Australia. Well, that, um, yeah. And it's nearly cherry season. It's a beautiful time to visit young. Um, come and do a class with me. I won't is there pick you. your own? I would, I, because I, yep. the birds always get mine just as they're turning. I'm like, God damn it, in like two hours they're all gone every year. Just pick yeah, your own. Enjoy. But as someone who grows most of my own food, I really enjoy other people picking my cherries. <laughs> you want the pick for me. <laughs> I want the beautiful fresh box that was picked that morning that I can just get straight into. Oh. <laughs> Young is okay because there's lots of cherries here too. Uncle George, that's the one you got to get. Uncle George's cherries, they're the best cherries in Castlemaine. Look, I'm just, it's an unsubstantiated claim. (laughs) Be careful who you're listening to, people. But I'm happy to run with it. We've got the big cherries in town. (laughs) That means it's legit, right? (laughs) Well, if you have like the big banana or the big prawn or the whatever, then that means you, you own it. You own it. We've got to have the big salami then in Castlemaine if we're the Don KR factory. I don't mind that. Home yeah, that salami. would probably rival Robertson's big potato for what it looks like. You're <laughs> <laughs> fine be encouraging people to visit the big salami. Anyway. Thanks for being on the show and um and, and sh- sharing all of these reminders. And just again to reiterate for people who are listening, going, well, what the hell do I do know about my e-course? It's okay. <laughs> I have e-courses that I just, uh, I was having a, a, a coaching call with a client yesterday and she 
we were, she was having a mild existential crisis because she'd been back 10 years on her Facebook business page. I don't recommend that necessarily. Like we get to improve as we go along. Maybe what you taught five years ago, you don't teach now. Maybe what you were ta- teaching last year might need a, a look at it. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. Um, we all get to learn more and, and do better um, as we go and, and be excited about being better, right? Rather than intimidated. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And there can be something really nice too about going, Hey, you know, if you've had students for 10 years, they probably won't remember what you said anyway, but if they do, Hey, remember when we um, studied this before and I said this, well, actually that's a load of bullshit. (laughs) Makes you quite human, makes you quite approachable. And this is what we now actually know about it. Yeah. I like that. Mm. Thanks, Helen. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. So there you have it, folks, another edition of the Abundant Yoga Teacher Podcast. Hey, favor to ask. If you found the content useful, I would be very grateful if you could support this podcast by giving me a five-star rating. And if you've got a moment, a review would be super cool. No pressure, of course. Like I said earlier, if you have any suggestions for podcast topics in the future, I would love to be in service. DM me on Instagram at Amy Yoga Biz Coach. Take deep care. <laughs>